and welcome to the Pack Heavy podcast. Now this podcast is for anyone who works in the hospitality and food manufacturing industries who use flexible packaging to get their products to market. Featuring interviews with guests who have traveled the path that you're on so that you can learn from their successes and failures and engage in the mindset required to go all in on your vision. I call this mindset the pack heavy mentality and it's primarily driven by deliberate action and extreme organization. You gather market intelligence, put a strong plan in place, organize the appropriate resources, and then confidently test your hypothesis against reality. So if you're ready to pack heavy on your vision, you're in the right place, and I'm excited to have you here. Good morning, and welcome to episode 74, where today I have guest Lauren Benzdown, who is the co-founder of Buzz Nutrition, joining me on the show. Now launched in November 21 by Lauren and fiance Alex Burrows and located in Toronto, Ontario, Buzz Nutrition is on a mission to make superfoods as easy and delicious as possible for the health conscious consumer to add to their daily routine. Starting with a line of superfood creamers produced from locally sourced organic and non-GMO ingredients, Buzzed meets at the intersection of the dairy-free milk alternative and superfoods market. Buzz creamers can currently be found via their own website and at Switch Grocery with many more retail locations soon to come. There's a lot of gold packed in today's episode and my key takeaways include market research and early product testing, the value of building a strong network of peers around you, some early mistakes and lessons learned and the critical nature of distribution partners. Now during the episode, Lauren and I discussed the upcoming CHFA trade show which has obviously been and gone, but at the show I was lucky enough to swing past the Buzz booth and say hello to both Lauren and Alex who are the loveliest people. Uh, They were so excited to be at the show and had the biggest smiles on their faces and yeah, it was really awesome to see. So I also sampled their creamers and I can confirm that they're as delicious as I was hoping they would be. So I recommend that you scroll down into the show notes, click on the link and purchase the product and help support them. So that's it from me. Um, I think we should really get stuck into the episode. So enjoy. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thanks, Aiden. I'm, I'm so excited for the chat. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. I've, um, I've been following you on LinkedIn for a while now. And you've got some really good things going on at Buzz, so I'm excited to dig into that to you. And I guess the premise of today's conversation is to sort of, yeah, have a discussion around sort of where the business idea came from. You know, at what point did you really decide to invest some time and energy and some dollars into the idea, uh, where it currently is and where you're going? Awesome. Sounds yeah, good. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. So where are you from? Where'd you grow up? So I'm from Toronto, same with my co-founder. Well, we're both from just outside of the city, but yep. in and around the greater Toronto area. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then went to school at Queens University. So, yep. so stayed there and uh, um, did my MBA over in Australia. So I I've saw kind that. Of yeah. bounced around, but, but back in Toronto now, Toronto's yeah, cool. still home. So you're a civil engineer by trade, correct? Yeah. Wow. So how did you find yourself delving into the CBG world? It's been a, definitely a long path to, to CPG and, and not a not a standard one, I guess. But um, yeah, started off as an engineer, realized I absolutely hated that. Mm. Um, went into my MBA um, and really realized that I loved the entrepreneurial venture. Yeah. It, I just didn't necessarily have any great winning ideas. Um, so, so yeah, I like always want to do something entrepreneurial. Mm. Um, and then my now fiance, who's my co-founder, Alex. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Yeah. We, we just recently, very recently. That on got yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like it legitimizes us too. It kind of does. As, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So he, it was, it was all his idea. And, and, uh, I, if I had known everything that I know now about how crazy and hard it, it is, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I would have been as keen to, to jump in with two feet, but, uh, yeah. yeah, we, uh, he came up with the idea and we just kind of took it 
day by day. And and now I'm in the CPG space. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I did say that you see that you and Alex have partnered up in business and in life, which is a hell of a commitment. Um, I grew up in my parents' business and uh, yeah, I witnessed their home life and work life. You know, it's a balance and it's something that you've got to work on. So good luck with that. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> so um, I see that, yeah, you've obviously got your background in civil engineering. You did your MBA at the University of New South Wales, and then you also picked up some, you, did you finish the course here in Toronto or, because um, I, I saw that you sort of did your MBA over two universities. Yeah. So I did it in Australia, but mm-hmm. the thing in the MBA is the network is so crucial. Like that's yeah. the main part of it is the networking. And Although I loved my time abroad and maybe I would have stayed for a few more years um, if we hadn't gotten a dog, but um, I knew eventually I'd make my way back to Toronto. So I thought, you know what, I better come back for a little bit and do some networking. So Mm -hmm. the MBA program offered um, like a international exchange. Mm. So I did my international exchange in Toronto. Right. Understood. Yeah. And it wasn't really much of an exchange, but, uh, but yeah, so I did that. So I did one semester at the university of Toronto, just yeah. as a way to try and meet some of the MBA folks there and, and network. And it was, it was a really good decision. Awesome. So Alex came up with the idea. When, when did that all occur? What was sort of the triggering, you know, thoughts, where did it all sort of begin? So Alex is a super health nut and, and he always grew up like the, the standard joke is um, his friends hated coming to his house because it was all like healthy snacks and like kale <laughs> chips instead of regular chips. And, yeah. and so that's the, the kind of house he grew up in and he studied kinesiology at Laurier. So he really knows the ins and outs of the body and, and yeah. he's really passionate about it. So he's always been putting like funky stuff in his coffee, like putting turmeric in his coffee with black pepper and, and all sorts of crazy supplements. And, so he came up with the idea because he was doing it and thought it was just such an excellent idea. And then I said, yeah, honey, that sounds great. Like you should go and do it. And didn't really feel like too invested in the idea. And then one day I was in my kitchen and I'm like, have really bad knee pain and back pain from just living a very active lifestyle and doing too many high intensity exercises. Um, so I was trying to get supplements into my daily routine, but I hate taking pills. Like I just won't do it. So what I was starting to do is uncap my pills and I pour them into my coffee because I knew I'm going to have a coffee every single morning. So if I could get them into my coffee, I'll have them every day. And there was this moment where I'm uncapping my pill and pouring it into my coffee where the light bulb hit. And I'm like, this is Alex's idea. Like this is Alex's whole idea is, is creating a product that tastes good in coffee Mm -hmm. and you get all your supplements because when you just put it in yourself, it tastes terrible. You need to get all the 45 different supplements that you want. And it just, it's just not convenient and it tastes awful. So his whole concept of, can we put in the coffee, can we make it taste good and have all the benefits? I just thought, Mm. oh, it's brilliant. So I just remember calling him as I was making my coffee being like, yeah, we have to do that. Like that is, the best idea ever. I'm like seeing the use case right here, right now. And so that's when the ball started rolling. Right, right, right. And you were producing it in your kitchen. You obviously, I'm assuming, gave it to friends and family to sort of taste and sort of get some initial feedback. How was that initial feedback? Was it something that they'd tasted before or did you sort of have to make some early adjustments on recipe or where did that all wash out? So we were pretty ballsy in starting with turmeric as the first blend because it's- I agree, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
it's quite an intense taste um and it's very hard to make it taste delicious in coffee so it took us a really long time to get a good recipe down um so it started off as like pretty much just pure turmeric powder with like maybe a little bit of coconut milk powder and everyone was like oh this tastes terrible like I'm glad it's good for me but I'm not going to use it because it just tastes so bad so it took us a lot of tweaking and working with different ingredients that paired well together without compromising on the health benefits so for example adding in cinnamon adds a really nice scent and flavor to the to the creamer without actually putting anything bad into it like we didn't load it with sugar as a way to kind of counteract the taste we found very natural wholesome ways um to make it taste really good and and so it was a very long iterative process with mm. a lot of brave friends and family getting these sketchy little pouches of orange powder and <laughs> and asking them to put it in their coffee so um yeah it took us about a year of, of back and forth on product and then right, right. um eventually we uh we started getting some really good feedback and we thought okay ready to go out to the masses now. Awesome. So, I mean, these things just obviously don't happen overnight, like you suggested. So you worked on the product potentially for about 12 months, iterating on the recipe before you landed on it. And then you launched in November, 2020 in the middle of a pandemic, which is brave as well. So talk to me about sort of the lead up to that point. Like I can imagine there may have been some hesitation in going, is this the right time? Like where were you sort of, where were you at in there? So the November, 2020 date, which I'm I think is probably from my LinkedIn. Yeah, is that is. Where you yeah that from? that's exactly where I pulled it from. Yep. So I'm a very transparent person. Mm-hmm. So that's not when we launched. Okay. November, 2020 was like when we came up with the name, like right. we didn't even have the product yet. So okay. I'd say like the next 12 months after November, 2020 yep. Yep. was really the like product formulation and everything. So, so um, yeah, it didn't start before then. And so I, called us a company even before we had a final product. So yeah. maybe it's a little, you had a vision, but <laughs> we had a vision, we had yeah. an idea and we were working towards it. So we had a company. So you've um, only been out in the market for about six months. It's all very, very yeah. recent. Okay. Yeah. We've only launched the website in, I think it was November, 2021, exactly mm. one year later. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you've been moving pretty quick for all intents and purposes. And I see that you are, so obviously we've got to let the queen still cover, but like, let's just think about this six months. So you've launched a product, you've got your website up and running. I see that you've appeared on Dragon's Den or pitched Dragon's Den. You're coming to the CHFA, which is your first trade show. You guys are busy. Like there is a lot going on. And were you guys engaged with Venture Park Labs as well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're- <laughs> You guys are moving fast. Is this your full-time job or have you got something else on the side? No, and I hate admitting it because I think people really hate to hear a founder isn't uh, is it, like has another job, but no, I don't no, know. I think it's common. It's really common, especially in these early days. Absolutely. I think it needs to be discussed yeah. more because yeah. right now it's like this sexy story of like, oh, I quit my job. Yeah. I was homeless. I slept in my car. And it's just like, it doesn't need to be that mm. way. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot if you're motivated. Like we both have very demanding jobs. We're both yeah. in consulting. I'm a management consultant in, at in strategy at Deloitte. Yeah. Congratulations. That is a huge achievement in your career as well. So that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. A lot of the learnings I, from Deloitte, I get to like pull into the yeah. business. Yeah. I can imagine. And, and the paycheck. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I think that this narrative of you're not all in unless you've quit your job and you're starving. I just don't think that's right. Like 
I'm all in. Like we've invested close to 50 grand of our own money into this. If that's not all in, I don't know what it is. It's all in. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think it's okay um, to a certain point to balance a couple of things. If you're really motivated, you can make it happen. Um, But yeah, sorry to to the long, long winded answer to your question is yeah, we both with a full-time job as well unfortunately no i don't see it as unfortunate like you just suggested i think it's really smart you know um the reality is is that you know these businesses wouldn't be able to support a full-time salary being drawn out of it like every cent has to get reinvested back into it just to get that precious little baby of an idea you know into a stage where it could potentially walk because you know like these early days, like there is so much against a small business, you know, like you hear those scary stats out there. So you've got to give it every opportunity to grow. And I think, yeah, hats off to you both for, you know, finding the time in your lives outside of your business hours to invest both your emotional energy, your financial energy into this, just to yeah, make it happen. I think it's really brave of you both. Thanks. I appreciate that. Cause I've definitely heard from, from some pretty influential people in the industry yep. who I look up to a lot yeah. as seeing it as a big negative and it really like hurt my soul when, when I got kind of roasted for it. Um, so yeah, it's nice to hear. And I think it is the more realistic story. We just don't hear it as much. Yeah. 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 And I, I don't know where you guys are at in terms of children. You guys don't have any kids at the moment. No. So like, as soon as you get to a point in your life, if that's something that you choose to do, you're going to be even more limited on time. So, I mean, there are a lot of founders out there that are parents and, you know, they may have been able to etch out a couple of hours in the evening. You know, that's how I run this podcast. I've got a full-time gig and I've got the kids and my beautiful wife at home. And yeah, really the hours that you get to spend on your side hustle are between, you know, 8.30 and 11.30 at night, which aren't your best hours, but you just do what you can. And I think that everybody's very understanding, but um, you're absolutely right. Like on LinkedIn, everybody does tend to cast a really shiny light on the world of entrepreneurship and especially in the in the world that you and I are playing in right now in the food-based CBG world. But then you've got people who speak the truth, like Susie York yeah. and Mike Fatter. And I did notice that you connected with Susie. And I actually, um, I had her on the show on episode 60 and it was a really good 30-minute conversation with her because she does speak the truth. And I think everybody values her for that too. That's yeah. awesome. I'll have to check it out. I've, I've tried to find as many Susie York podcasts as I can because <laughs> she's just such a She's a pleasure. Legend. Yeah, she yeah. is a legend. I know. I was thrilled when she responded to my email. I'm like, Susie's coming on. <laughs> this is going to be great. So let's speak a little bit more about market research and product validation because there are competitors out there in the space and some of them do have a really good foothold. And over the years of the going you know, to trade shows and so on, I have noticed that superfood creamers are gaining popularity out there, which is really good because it does give you validation that there is a market for it. You just have to differentiate yourself. So where were you guys at in terms of like figuring out who your competitors competitors were, who your target audience were, and how you were going to get to them? Yeah, so we did a lot of research on on who the competitors competitors were. I think with my MBA background, I knew starting like from the beginning that like unique value proposition matters. What's your differentiator? Like that all all those keywords that that we talk a lot about in the MBA were really front of mind for me. So I'm lucky that that was something I thought about right off the bat. But uh yeah, I think, I think, so we did a lot of market research. A lot of the competitors are in the U S mm. so that's really helpful for us because there's a lot we can do in Canada, um, before we need to go into the U S yeah. um, and there's a lot of growth we can see here first. So that was the first thing that I think helped us. Like you said that the validation of having these other competitors in the market, I think really helps validate it. And also they're, 
a lot bigger than we are and maybe have more marketing dollars than we are. So what that does for us rather than against us is they take care of a lot of the education for us. You're absolutely right there needs to be a level of education around our product and why some of these superfoods are so good for you. So it, it helps us in that sense. Um, um, I think may, hopefully by the time this, this episode airs our next, our next blood will be out, but just in case not, I won't give away too much, but I will say it has functional mushrooms in it. Um, so the, the four sigmatics of the world yeah, yeah, have yeah. really helped us yep. in paving the way of, making functional mushrooms something that the everyday consumer mm. wants. Uh-huh. So I think we're lucky in that sense. I think we're still really early on in this. I don't really see this as like a trend that's up and out. Like yeah. I really see this as a movement yeah. that uh, is is going to be very sustainable. Um, and then when we looked at differentiation, we got really great advice from Mike Fada actually, who he said, he's obviously in the health, health and wellness space, but he said, if it like 75% of the reason people will buy it is because of the taste Mm -hmm. and 25% is because of the health benefits. Whereas we were thinking it was 75% health benefits, 25% taste. So when he kind of gave us that framing, we really realized how important it was that our product tasted better than anything else on the market. Mm -hmm. And that was why we created it is because I couldn't find something that I thought tasted good enough to go in my coffee. So, so we really tried to differentiate on, on, on taste, the fact that we're Canadian um, and, and the way we're building our brand, like a lot of the products on the shelves right now are, are like, I want to say commodities There obviously aren't, but commodities in the sense of no one feels any sort of personal connection to the brand. It's just like a product. Mm. And so the switching costs for customers is so low that if they love our brand and we can tell a good brand story and create a really strong community, then I think it'll help us stand out and, and have people gravitate towards us. And that's what we're really focused on. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. I think, you know, Mike's advice in that space is really critical, like sampling and getting your product into, you know, into everybody's hands so they can taste it is really, really critical. And that's why I think you're going to enjoy this trade show. Have you ever been to a trade show like this before? No. no. So what I love doing is just walking the trade show floor, speaking to the people, you know, shaking hands and obviously getting an opportunity to sample. And you're absolutely right. Like the most memorable brands out there are the ones that taste great. Like you'll forget about everybody else except for the ones that you really, really enjoyed. So you've already sort of got a couple of opportunities to impress people. And I think that taste test is the most critical one of all of them. Um, you said something else that was really important and I've lost it now that I've said what I said, but we'll move on from that. I'll find it back later. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so let's speak about your platform online because you are building a brand. Who do you look to for sort of inspiration? Are there other brands out there that are doing what you want to do or that you go, I really like their approach? Um, there isn't exactly someone that we're looking up to i think we are trying to be a combination of a bunch of different types of brands yeah like i i really like um so obviously not anywhere near the industry we're in but like what red bull does with their brand so it's really not about the product anymore it's really about the brand of like adventure and 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 the lifestyle yeah and i really love that and 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 same with like lululemon you know i feel like I really look up to them as, you know, they created more than just a product. They have, you know, yoga like classes and, mm-hmm. and they bring the communities together. Yeah. 
And so that's really what we're trying to do outside of just a brand, like outside of just a product is bring our community together. Like we want to host workout classes, like free outdoor workout classes in Toronto and, and go on yoga retreats and, and, and make it about more than just the product. Um, So I, I can pull some inspiration from brands across any industry that's just doing a really great job at that. And ultimately like what we're trying to create is not just as product, but I want our customers to say they're excited to be the type of person that consumes buzz. Mm-hmm. Like I, I want it to become to a point where people think they're this type of person that has buzzed in their coffee every morning. Like they're this person that cares about their health and wellness and, and they make this like delicious latte at home. That's like filled with supplements. So, so yeah, like I, I always draw inspiration from from companies that are about building something outside the product Mm -hmm. yeah i totally understand that at the end of the day unless they resonate with that brand they're just not going to get it like they're just they're not going to enjoy looking at your package on the shelf either at home you know and and that's the thing that i love about your brand too it's a it's a great approachable brand it's a fun brand it's a really great website to look through and i get it like you're doing a great job of telling that story i think yeah hats off to you guys in that space too Thank you. That means so much. Like, I think there's, we're constantly learning and changing and adapting and, and, and it's like constantly evolving. Like, I don't think we've ever done the same run of packaging twice. It's yep. always iterating and, and changing. Yep. So, yep. Yep. um, but yeah, happy that, that, that you're resonating with it as it is so far. So that's thanks. cool. No worries. So it sounds to me as if you're doing short run digital, um, packaging at the moment. Yeah, that's the value of digital. Like there are so many clients of ours here at Foodpack that utilize digital or low run digital to actually do A-B testing. So, Mm. you know, they may have a brand idea or a couple of, you know, different themes and they'll be going, okay, here's package one, here's package two, and they'll do split testing and see which gets a better result, you know, before they invest in a larger manufacturing run. So yeah, digital is awesome like that, isn't it? Yeah. And we're also just learning so much. Like we just did a huge, well, it's not a huge run, but we did a run of 4,000 units, yeah. which is like our biggest run today. Big to you guys. Yeah, no, I get that yeah. for sure. It's yep. big for us. And then we got flagged. We just, we actually just signed on with a distributor today. I saw that. Yeah. Purity Life? Yeah. Congratulations. So, yeah. So huge. stoked for that. That's huge. That's it like is. the biggest milestone in our, our journey to date. Yeah, so it really is. Super stoked about that. But when we sent them our packaging, they were like, their QA team came back and we're like, oh, this is an issue. This is an issue. This is an issue. And we're like, oh my God, we just printed 4,000 bags. So now we have to like do another round of that. And we hadn't even touched those bags yet. So, so, so we're learning and and we're making mistakes along the way, but it's okay because we're doing smaller runs and, and we can make those mistakes because we just don't know what we don't know sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Yep. No, their mistakes, they can prove a little bit costly, especially in those early days when it's coming out of your pocket directly, like you feel it, but you'll never, ever make that mistake again. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I guess once you sort of feel confident in the design and that there aren't going to be any more iterations, then you can ante up and do a, like a larger print of Rotogravir, which will lower your unit cost too. So you'll get that margin back eventually for sure. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear it. We haven't gotten there yet, but hopefully soon. Oh, you will over time. Yeah, for sure. So tell us about Purity Life. I'd love to sort of discuss the onboarding process with a distributor, if you don't mind, because you're, it's so fresh. It's just happening for you right now. And I think there's a lot that can be learned through the process. And if you've got any insights, I think that'd be great for everybody. Yeah, I'd say like really take your time in finding the right partner. 
there were some other distributors that we had been chatting to. Um, and as a small company, we were just like so excited that anyone wanted to distribute our product. Uh, yeah. And then we got advice from a mentor that's like, just remember, like they work for you, not the other way around. So don't like, yeah, it's great that they want like a distributor wants to work with you and that's exciting, but don't just jump at any first opportunity that comes your way like really see what's out there really take your time talk to as many distributors as you can um so i think that that was really great advice because we almost jumped into the wrong um a wrong partnership yeah um if before we we signed with purity so i think that was really really great advice um in terms of the onboarding process honestly purity is a freaking gem like they're so great the people there are so friendly. They're so professional and on top of things. They have like a very standard process for doing it. So it's very easy. The team is easy to reach out to. So honestly, it, it wasn't as crazy as I thought it would be. Um, and the people have just made it such a joy and, and an ease to kind of get through it and onboard. But but happy to answer any specific questions you have about um. it. Well, it's funny because you're the second person I've spoken to today about Purity Life. I was, I was speaking to one of my clients who's been listed with them for a while now, and he had nothing but good things to say as well. So I'll have to have a chat with them on the podcast too. Yeah, you should. You should. Yeah, they're so great. Like, yeah. I think they've just been doing it for a while and they've, yeah. they, they, they've set it up in, in a way that's like very professional and easy to do. And, and they just obviously hire well because the people there are awesome. Yeah. So let's think about like the top three things that you were looking for or qualifying for when you were out and having conversations with some distributors. So what were they? The first and foremost, and, and this is like the number one for sure, is like a shared vision for the future. Yeah. So uh, there was another distributor we we're talking to who um, really wanted us in like convenience, uh -huh. like convenience stores. Yeah. And I was like, that's not where our product belongs. Like our product belongs in, in goodness me, Summerhill market, like whole foods, like in, in, in these types of stores. And yeah. I don't necessarily want it to be in 300 convenience stores. Like, I don't know if I want it to be that easily accessible in these channels that are the wrong channels for us. So it was super important that we found a distributor who shared that vision, understood where we were trying to go, understand that we have maybe a limited budget and we don't have a hundred thousand dollars worth of inventory that mm. we can deploy tomorrow. Yeah. So like working together to, to figure out a strategic plan for year one, year two, year three, mm -hmm. and, and figure out together how we can make it work and grow. Um, I think that's just like the number one thing that's so important is that shared vision. Two, once you get into like the contracts, there's a lot of stuff to look out for. So like, what are the fees? What are the payment terms? um how, what's the logistics like like stuff like that is really important but i think that shouldn't be the deciding factor i think you need to find the right person that has a strategic vision yeah. Yeah. and then get a good mentor who's in the space to help you look through some of these terms in the contract because mm. a lot of it we just didn't understand and our lawyers were great but again they looked at it from a legal perspective we needed someone with experience in cpg distributing yeah. to be like Here's the actual implications of this, not from a legal perspective, but just from your own operation. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really helpful too, to have some people in our corner that could help out with that. 
Awesome. So it sounds to me like you do have a network of um, mentors. Who are you speaking with at the moment? Like are these people that you've met along the way or did you have some relationships in the past that you sort of bought into the now? I had no relationships in the past. <laughs> They're all like pre, like like very recently built up. Got you. When I first started Buzz, like when it was just an idea, um, that's when like Clubhouse was like really yeah, kicking that's off right. and firing. Yeah. It sort of died a bit lately, hey? Oh, it's dead. I don't Gone. know. I'm ever done. Strange. Yeah. Came and went. Yeah. Yeah. It was huge. And then it was like dead. Dead in the know. water. I don't know what triggered that. Yeah. I don't know either. But uh, um, yeah, so Clubhouse was huge for me for networking. Like that's how I met Mike Fada. That's how I met Arlene Dickinson. Yeah. That's how I met all these these amazing people. And it really helped like propel our brand in the early days because I was able to get instant answers to questions that I had in the moment in a public forum where I didn't have to be like, Hey Mike, could I have an hour of your time? You know, like he was in a public forum. He was helping everybody. I could just raise my hand and ask a question. It's incredible to have access like, like that, isn't it? You know, like when in history has this ever occurred? I don't think it ever has. You've had to buy a book that someone's written, you know, and go through it and sort of pick out parts. Yeah. And then test it to see if it works. So yeah, incredible that you can have access like that. It was the best. And Mm. it allowed me to like actually develop the relationships to the point where now um, Mike's incredible. Like I'm sure if I, you know, we've had a few one-on-one calls. I'm sure if I called him up uh, later, I sent him a note. I'm sure we could have another one. Uh, I know he's super busy, so I try not to bother yeah, him. Yeah. But, um, and then in the Adventure Perk Accelerator, Arlene Dickinson's Accelerator yeah. Program, we got paired up with a mentor and she is actually a distributor with another company. Perfect. So perfect. Like she really was able to help guide us mm. um, and give us some really great great feedback and she's been continuing to mentor us even after the accelerator finished so um yeah she's awesome and then just linkedin like sometimes i just pop a question on linkedin and Mm. everyone just is so happy to give advice so yeah that's um, what i find about linkedin as well it's an incredible network of people that you can have such great access to like like i was saying i just interviewed margaret coons and she was saying very much the same thing like it is a really cool you know network of people that we have online you know, especially in this CBG world, it's, it's awesome. Everybody's so collaborative. Yeah. It's super cool. I'm really excited for the trade show because there's so many people that I feel like are my friends that I've connected <laughs> with for, yeah. for the last year and I've never met them in person. So I'm just so excited to get together with people in person. Yeah. Everybody's hanging out for it. Who was in your cohort at Venture Park? Um, so we had, um, there was like 10 companies. Yeah. Do you want me to go through them all? Well, I just had Andrew Zook on. Do you know Andrew yes, from Plant Weather? Yeah. I saw that. I yeah. saw that last week. So he was in my he was in my cohort. Got ya. Okay. Yeah. What a great guy. He's uh he's got a really cool brand story going on as well and doing some really cool and innovative things in that plant-based cheese space, especially considering the fact that it's shelf stable. It's so cool. It's so cool. And his product is so good. His pesto yeah. cheese sauce yeah. is incredible. Yeah. Do you know Janine and Anush from Zing? Yeah, they were in my cohort too. Oh, cool. And Sarah from Morganola? I, she was in the previous cohort, but I know her as well. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Sarah's great. Yeah. I've had a few people on and you know what? I should probably go in and add it all up, but I'm sure I've probably got a good handful of you guys that have been through this accelerator program. How would you recommend it? You enjoyed it? Yeah, it was great. Um, I think, I think it was great for sure. Like I recommend it to people. Um, I will say you just have to make sure you really know what you want to get out of it Yeah. because $5,000 is a lot. Mm-hmm. Previously, it was like $20,000. 
which is just crazy. Yeah. Um, so I think it worked out really well for us because we were so early days. Mm. So we got a lot of that, like very specific help that we needed in, in getting it up and running. Um, I'd be curious to see how a more established company felt mm. if, if they felt they got at the same level of, of like value, value out of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so for us, it was incredible worth every cent. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it was just the stage we were at. Like it was just the perfect timing for us. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. Now there are a lot of programs out there, especially out here in BC. And, um, you know, I'm always interested to hear how people's experience has been. Cause like you said, it's not cheap. I think you need to go into a program like that with a bit of a vision and sort of like a plan of what you sort of want to achieve and what you want to get out of it. So, you know, what was your goal? Was it to sort of gain a bit more of a clearer understanding of your business model and where you were going and sort of, you know, really trying to build out the network or, you know, what were you guys trying to achieve out of it? Yeah, I think networking is one thing, but I think the biggest thing is retail was this big black hole for me. Mm -hmm. I just didn't understand how it all worked. I didn't understand where distributors versus brokers versus this versus like how it all came in, what margins. I was going to say what everybody takes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That was just this big black box that it was hard to just get like a lot of help around that through just like informal conversations. So for me, that was the biggest thing was like, please help me get set up for retail Mm -hmm. because that's something I don't think I can do on my own. Like I could Mm -hmm. set up D to C, I could set up the website, I could set up our brand strategy, like all these things I can do. But with retail, you need to have like very specific knowledge and you mm. can only get it from having the experience and being in it. Yeah. So that for me was what I really needed is just like, help me get prepared for retail. <laughs> mm. And I'm going to imagine you would have had a really, you know, in-depth discussion about your pricing model as well. Like, what are you going to enter the market at? How much margin is everybody or what's everybody snip along the way? And what are you going to be left with at the end of the day? So how did you sort of arrive at where you did? Like, what are you currently retailing at? Oh my God. So we, when we first like went through pricing, we were like, holy crap, like our margins are like 89%, like we're cruising. And then when we did the, uh, <laughs> the actual model with our distributor mentor, yeah, we left like 12% margin. And 12 is not bad. <laughs> That's but yeah, no, I get volume. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I hope that as we grow, we can bring some costs down and we can yep. get a little bit more margin back. For I'm sure. saying, Holy hell, I'm paying, I'm giving a retailer 40% of margin of yep. my product. And I'm only walking out with 12%. Like this yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Like these businesses are making so much money off of us. Like uh-huh. it's wild. So, so yeah, we had a big in-depth uh, pricing thing. And, and the other advice that she gave me, which was really helpful was, Start with a price high, like start priced high because you yeah. can always bring your price down, but you can't put bring it up. So, mm-hmm. so we started pretty high. We're retailing at twenty four ninety nine, yep. which is high. Like mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie to you, it's high. But our our ingredients are all organic, non GMO. It's made in Canada. It's all like ethically sourced. Like it's the best of the best, and there's no preservatives. There's just no crap. Like if you really care about the products you're consuming, you'll care about what we've done with ours. Mm -hmm. So you know what? I I think that people care more, certain people, our customer segment cares more about that than paying an extra five bucks maybe um, for a product that 
isn't as good and isn't as high quality. So, so that's where we're at. And, and, and we've always said, if we can bring our prices down, we'll bring them down. You know, like we want this to be accessible for as many people as possible. We don't want health food products to be these things that the everyday person can't have because they're just so outrageously priced. So if we can, we hundred percent will at the stage we're at right now, like we're barely keeping the lights on. So we've got to keep where they are yeah yeah no fair call i just uh i was fortunate enough to be interviewed on this commerce life podcast with kenny and phil do you know that podcast i don't but ah, you got to check tell them me out. about it yeah, yeah it's called this commerce life um and those gents it's a very similar podcast to this one um they've been around for a lot longer so they're very well um known in the industry and so i had a chat with them aaron skelton the president of the chfa was on as well so he was on the front end and i was on the back end of the podcast but we were talking about like the explosive growth and like the huge amount of growth that's occurring in natural and organic. So this segment, and especially since sort of like 2009, 2010, it's really taken off, which is exciting. But there are a couple of things that are driving the growth. And one of them is obviously, you know, a lot of the, um, I'm going to say trends, but it's probably not the right road, but trends sort of, it does fit. But, you know, the lifestyle choices that people are making, whether they're eating vegan or keto or paleo, and sort of those categories have largely expanded because I think people really do care about what they're putting in their body and the quality of the food that they're ingesting. So yeah, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, it really does determine the pricing model and sort of where you enter the market. When you were looking at your pricing model and where you would sort of fit in as well, did you sort of, you would have taken into consideration where your, um, where your competitors are at and like products, where were you looking like, were you looking in other retail stores and where did you sort of do that analysis? Yeah, we had like our list of direct competitors. Um, mm. There's people out there who probably might think are competitors to us, but I don't see them as competitors in the sense that maybe they have a turmeric powder that that you can use mm. and it's a kind of similar idea, but it doesn't actually taste good in your coffee. Like I think oh, yeah. the coffee creamer aspect to what we have yeah. is actually not as common as like turmeric powder products are, mm-hmm. right? Like a lot of these other products you have to put them in a smoothie or something like you've got to mask the taste. So I think having a product that is good for your coffee is, is actually a little bit niche. So, mm-hmm. so we're not like overly saturated in terms of competition, which is good there. Um, but yeah, in terms of the other prices, we have one competitor who's priced like so low, like, I don't even know how they're doing it. It's so low. Mm-hmm. And then we've got another pr- competitor that's like around our price. Um, so I think we're in and around like, like four Sigmatic. Yeah. They just launched a, a, a creamer and I think they're priced similar to us. Okay. So that's good because they're huge. Massive. So if yeah. they're priced similar to us, I bet we can undercut them mm-hmm. in a year from now because mm-hmm. I don't know what they're doing wrong, but like, we'll have the margin in a year from now yep. to bring our prices down a little. So that'll be great. If we can undercut them a little, um, that'll be awesome. So, so we're not too far off, but yeah, we're definitely on the high end of the of the market. Cool. You mentioned before a couple of things. So let, I'd love to dig into sort of the production and scaling side of things. So right now, you know, you guys are hand filling bags. Are, are you working with a, uh, a co-packer at the moment or are you about to onboard a co-packer? Yeah, we're just about to onboard a co-packer. Okay, We've got cool. lots of big things happening. Yeah, like we're yeah, getting ready to like scale and like yeah. go big. Yeah. So we found a co-packer. We were going to actually do a trial run um, like th- this week or next week. Mm-hmm. And then we got that feedback from Purity that our packaging needed to be changed. Yeah. So now we put a pause on the test run with with um, the co-packer and we have to reiterate our packaging, get that reprinted like 
very straight quickly. Away. Yeah. Straight away. And then we can do the run. And assuming all goes well, which I think it will, like it's not a very complicated product to, to manufacture. Mm-hmm. We're gonna hand all the manufacturing over to them and and just focus purely on on the business and, and growing the business versus mm. being in the business hand packing orders. That's really exciting. Just sales and marketing, just hustling. Yeah. Yeah, just <laughs> hustling. That's all it is. That's great. I'd love to know if there are any particular challenges that were memorable in the development so far. Like, have there been any forks in the road that you've had to improve or fix something? Yeah, it's been hard. Like Mm. it's been, it's been hard. I don't know if it's like a, something that I had to fix, but there's definitely been days where I just thought I was so overwhelmed and I just needed to curl into a little ball for like days on end. Yeah. Um, like uh, we were looking at raising some money mm-hmm. um, and we had gotten an, a very, very generous offer from, from a VC and we were so close to taking it, but we just felt like it wasn't right in, in our guts. Like we just felt like it wasn't the right timing, wasn't the right terms. Like there were just some things like in our gut that just didn't feel right, but it was such a great part. Like it, it was such a hard decision. Like mm. I, I can't express how, how hard it was for us. And I stayed up. I couldn't sleep. Like I had full on insomnia for like three weeks straight. Like it mm-hmm. was detrimental to my health and my relationship. Like I was a mess um, for three weeks trying to make this decision. Like it just felt like such a game changing decision, whether to take this money or not. Mm. And ultimately we, we turned, we decided not to take the money. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a hard choice to make. So I'd say that was one of the hardest, hardest moments for us. Mm. Um, yeah. If you don't mind me asking, what kind of equity were they expecting for the, for the cash? Was it a significant amount of equity that you would have had to have given away? Yeah, so it was a significant amount of equity that we we would have had to give away, but honestly, it didn't even really come down to that. Like, the 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 offers for 150k, mm-hmm. um, and we just felt like we can get that money ourselves. I mm-hmm. think, yeah, and we just thought if we can grow this business more ourselves mm-hmm. and just do it a little bit longer, just us, bootstrap, yeah bootstrap it just a little bit longer i just felt like we'd be in a better position to have a different conversation yeah yeah um but the partner that we were talking to was so fabulous like i I have nothing but good things to say about them it was just um we just felt like for 150 grand i think we can just do it ourselves you know yeah um so that was ultimately the decision i can imagine that would have been a big decision because it would have been so tempting to take the money and know you know what you can do with it but at the same time like you know, to give away a huge slice of that pie at such an early stage when you don't even really know what all of this looks like. I think the, you know, it sounds to me like you made a really good decision, but I can imagine that you would have, yeah, like you suggested, had some sleepless nights. Yeah. It's just hard, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's just no way to know if you take this path, what's it going to look like versus if you take this path, what's it going to look like? And all I could think is what happens in six months Mm. if we shut down because we don't have money like how much are we going to regret this decision like so anxiety inducing but i think like you said you made a good point like we didn't really know what it all looked like yet i think now that we like have a distributor and we're going to do some like sales forecasting and we're going to have a better idea of where this is headed and how it's going to look i think now is a better time to have a conversation about raising money yeah give it another six months and you'll be in a very different space again Yeah, exactly. That's cool. I've got two more questions for you. So if you had the opportunity to go back a year and a half or actually, yeah, right back when the idea was new with the knowledge that you have now, what business advice would you give yourself? 
So it's so hard. I think if I knew everything I knew now, I'd be too overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that a few times. They'd be like, I wouldn't have started. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss, eh? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's crazy. I think like, um, I think the advice is just take it day by day, step mm. by step. Like if you try and get too overwhelmed by the big picture, you're just going to get too stressed and overwhelmed and you're going to end up just like getting into analysis paralysis. So just like putting your head down one step at a time, um, networking with people earlier. Yeah. Um, I think that's the biggest thing, like start reaching out to people right away. Um, and I think I need to take that advice now, as we talk about the fundraising piece of this, I think I need to start reaching out to other investors and just like start developing the relationship so that it's not like a frantic, we need money now, mm-hmm. um, conversation. So yeah, I think like developing relationships early, meeting people, networking, um, but honestly, I don't think there's a whole lot I would do differently. Like I'm really happy and proud of the way we, we built this business and, and it's no, nowhere near where it can be yet, but I, I think we've taken a lot of the right steps and, and uh, I, yeah, I'm happy with how we're running it. Good. Yeah. It sounds like you've built a really solid foundation. Thanks. Yeah. If we were to fast forward a year from now and you could say to me that you had had your best year ever, what would you have accomplished? Um. One, I think I want to build a really strong community. So something completely outside of revenue, outside of whatever, mm-hmm. I want a really strong community. Like maybe we're hosting 5K runs or maybe we're going on retreats or something like that. Like we've got a really strong customer base that's a community and they're yep. all friends with each other. Yep. That would be a big success for me. Um, more tactically on, on a business side, I'd say in a year and a half from now, I really see us scaled across Canada in, mm-hmm. in all of retail, big box retail, um, but also really building a strong online presence. Um, I really see like the online as the awareness and then maybe it drives sales to retail, um, but really making sure that that people are finding out about us online or building that community and, and building that awareness there. And then I think what would be amazing, it might be a little too premature, but I think it'd be great if we were starting to plan for for expansion into the U.S. Might be premature in a year and a half, but I'd say like that would be like amazing. Hey, you've got to have these goals. You've got to yeah. know what your vision is. That's awesome. And it sounds like you do have a vision. And uh, you guys have done a hell of a lot of work in such a short amount of time. So I can imagine if you keep hustling at the same rate, you're gonna you're gonna go places, which is really exciting for you. Thanks, Hayden. No, I really appreciate it. Like you always feel like you could do more or you're not yeah. working fast enough or things yeah. are too slow. And, and so it's a nice, it's nice to have these conversations and, and get that kind of fresh pair of eyes to be like, no, you guys have done a lot and you're, yeah. you're doing well. Cause sometimes it's hard from, from inside. Oh, for sure. It's really important to look back and see how far you've come, you know, just for your own perspective. And, uh, you know, if you do that regularly and, you know, have a very good understanding of what you're driving towards, but knowing, you know, and always remembering where you've come from, it'll always, um, it's always a good thing to do. I always try and do that as well. Awesome. No, it's cool. great advice. Well, look, thank you very much for your time today. If anybody wanted to reach out and try your product or get in touch with you, what's the best way? So Buzz Nutrition all across the board on Instagram, on TikTok and our website, www.buzznutrition.com. I run all the social media accounts. So if anyone wants to reach out to me, if you, you want to reach out to me, LinkedIn is the best. But uh, if you interact with the brand on social media, it'll also be me that you're getting. So <laughs> yeah. just way. a different, just a different persona, just a different voice. 
Yeah, business Lauren on LinkedIn, <laughs> Buzz Fun, Energetic, yeah, Crazy yeah, yeah. Lauren on on Instagram and TikTok. So, um, yeah, that's that's the best way to connect. That's awesome. Well, look, thank you very much for your time. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person next week at the CHFA. So I'll definitely swing by your booth and say hello. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Hayden. You're welcome. Bye. Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions from today's episode or would like to know more about what I can do to help you achieve your packaging vision, you can reach me directly at Hayden at thepackheavypodcast.com. You could DM me on Instagram at thepackheavypodcast, or we could also connect on LinkedIn and start a conversation there. I'll see you next week.